Welcome to So Many Bits. I'm your host, Bill Nielsen, and joining me from my palatial one-bedroom apartment in Chicago is Michael Delaney. Michael, how are you? I'm excellent. How are you? I'm doing great. It feels like only a little while ago that we were talking about Metal Gear Solid Five. Only about a year ago. But I think in true Kojima fashion, we're going to now go backwards in time <laughs> to talk about something that's happened in the past. Uh, this feels like Metal Gear Solid 2, uh, you know, a PlayStation 2 classic, still has a lot of relevance today. Uh, very forward-thinking in some of the themes that came out of it. Mm-hmm. And I felt like this would be a good opportunity to go over that, talk about some of those elements from the game that still hold up to this day. Definitely. As a quick reminder, So Many Bits is brought to you in part by the Second Wind Collective. For more quality podcasts like this one, please visit secondwindcollective.com for details. Now first though, before we get into that, uh, what have you been playing lately? Uh, so I played Injustice 2 like through, like when, when did it come out? May something. I played that yeah, pretty, okay. pretty steadily for a couple of months and like was getting all the extra costumes and all the extra stuff. Uh... But probably by the time they started releasing, like, the DLC characters, which I think the first one was, like, Red Hood, um, I think, like, I played him all the way through, like, to, like, level 20, which is, like, the max, but then I just kind of got disinterested. Like, the the one after that they released was Sub-Zero, soon they're going to release Starfire, and it's just kind of too slow, I think, the, the way they are releasing these characters. I think they're trying to stretch it out as much as they can. Um, now, here's a very important question. Mm-hmm. Does Sub-Zero get a cape? He does. Okay. I think uh, the way like they start you off with a cape, and I think the incentive is to get the regular costume. <laughs> like, so to take the cape off is kind of his side quest. Uh, and um, yeah, like I was interested in how they would differentiate between him and Captain Cold. I think it makes both of them kind of imperfect versions of what they could be because they're basically the same power set. Um, so you can't just do a freeze move with Sub-Zero. You have to like build up a power meter before you can do it. I tried to do the play The Last of Us because I know that's a pretty popular game and a lot of people really like the story. I know there's a second one coming out. Uh, I wasn't didn't get into it. Um, it reminded me of Uncharted Four, which I think it was four. I tried to play a couple months back. It's the same company, so yeah. Uh, it was just too like straightforward, not a lot of options to deviate from the main story, and it just felt like like the action really slows down when they're like, okay, it's about to be a cutscene. Like, you, your, <laughs> your pace slows down, it's just like, oh, okay, well, time to sit back and watch what happens. How many hours did you play into it? Do you no, I don't. Total probably was less than an hour. Like, okay. I just wasn't getting into it, so then... I just defaulted back to an old standard and played, started Metal, Metal Gear Solid Ground Zeroes up again, the prequel uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. little like teaser that they sent machine. out. Yeah, yeah. Prologue. Yeah, that's true. I didn't actually play that till shortly before Phantom Pain came out, so I didn't have that anguish that a lot of people did, like playing <laughs> that and then being like, when are we going to get the fifth game? So I played it thinking that that would hold off, like, sate myself before Phantom Pain and wait for it to, like, go down in price, but 
I probably beat it in a day, and I was like, all right, time to get Phantom Pain. <laughs> so that's pretty much what I've been playing right now. That's pretty much what I did with Ground Zeroes, is I played it, like, the month that Phantom Pain was coming out yeah. to get a feel for it. It's like, all right, this is awesome. I, I, I definitely have to play Phantom Pain now. And then I just, yeah, I went out and got it, like, first or second day and was hooked the yeah. whole way. Then now they've packaged those together for, like, whatever they call it, the... Maybe it's the ultimate edition. That's what a popular phrase, but yeah. they're always doing that. I'm sure they'll do that with Injustice. Once they have all these characters released, they'll have like a super package so you can just buy them all. Yeah. I don't have that kind of patience. That's what I Just, they got my money. I mean, you bought the full retail release. I mean, yeah. they, they can't ask much more from you than that. That's true. I'm a loyal fan. <laughs> I mean, hey, there's... Probably going to be an Injustice 3 in like two or three years. Yep. You can probably set your watch to that. The comic is still going. It's still very good. Is it? Yeah. They had, they, it's a comic that makes you enjoy the character Plastic Man. Uh, I liked Plastic Man in the Morrison JLA run. That, I thought that was... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a crazy weird character. But uh, other than that, I don't think I've ever read about Plastic Man in any environment. All right, well... I. I have been playing some stuff, but I think I've covered it in other episodes. So if that's what you've been playing, let's move on to our main topic for this episode, sure. which is Metal Gear Solid 2. Now, uh, this is technically the fourth game in the Metal Gear series. Like, you know, with all this stuff, it gets named weird. Chronologically? Or, oh, what do you mean? What? I mean, like, in terms of the uh, official releases. Metal Gear proper. Yeah. Okay. Like, uh, so there's Metal Gear... Metal Gear 2, right. Metal Gear Solid, and then this. Chronologically... That's a whole different story. Chronologically, it would go Metal Gear 1, Metal Gear 2, Metal... Er, no. It's Metal Gear 3, Metal yes, Gear Meta- 5. Yes. Metal Gear. Metal Gear 2. You, you screwed yourself by not throwing Solid in there. Ah, uh, no, no! <laughs> Metal Gear Solid 3 comes first. Ah! Then it's... Horrible Ops, which they don't count. Then it's Peace Walker. Then it's Ground Zeroes. Then it's Phantom Pain. Then it's Metal Gear. Then it's Metal Gear 2. Yeah. Then it's Metal yeah. Gear Solid. <laughs> then it's Metal Gear Solid 2. Then it's Metal Gear Solid 4. Do you count Revengeance? Oh. Because well, that, that's then the that, that would be the final one. Yeah. I did. Pl- I rented that, and I just like ran through it the whole time. It was just a bloodlust game. Like It wasn't really that... It's not really a Metal Gear game, but I played it. It's completely insane. Yeah. There's like the blade mode where you can use the analog to cut stuff into like smaller and yes, smaller pieces. Yes, that's right. And they had a lot of those, like I think Crying Wolf was the character in the fourth game. It was just, you know, like that robot wolf type character. They had like a bunch of those, all I remember. Huh. And then they had a general at the end of the game who was just like spewing how like the the military industrial complex like there was no like subtlety and <laughs> he literally says make america great again oh that literally that. Said, yeah. <laughs> but, um, so yeah it's the uh, the fourth game released mm-hmm. but chronologically the second to last game if you don't count revengeance yes <sighs> uh and i mean when it came out there was incredible hype surrounding the release because mm-hmm. of the su- huge success of Metal Gear Solid. And then building on that, there was this like nine-minute E3 trailer 
showing off the game and it blew everyone's minds. I mean, it blew my mind when I read about it because I couldn't, I couldn't see the video. I didn't go to E3, so I had to read about it in a magazine. Nice. <laughs> yeah. The, so you, so you probably reacted to this in real time then. Yeah. That's, that's a big difference for all these for me is because I, uh, the only one that I reacted to in real time was the fifth one. Everything else I kind of played as I wanted to. I didn't have to like wait and anticipate, um, so which, which is a big part of this game is like anticipating what's going to happen and then having those expectations completely <laughs> subverted and crushed. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't own a PlayStation two either. So I like had to wait to borrow a friend's PlayStation 2, but not their memory card, just the PlayStation 2. I actually borrowed a friend's PlayStation 2 as well. The PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, this uh, playing through it, like keeping the system on the entire time to get through the whole thing. And like, I think it was like four or five days I finished it off. But man, yeah, uh, I don't think it holds up anymore, but I, th I think it's still a pretty impressive experience when you consider the context of like what the PlayStation 2 can do. Yeah. Prior to its release, they had this demo. Uh, did you ever play the demo separately from No. The, no. But it's the first level, right? Yeah, the tanker level. Yeah. So, like, they released this game called Zone of the Enders. It's like this mech fighting game. And then they put the demo in for the whole tanker level. So, like, the first two hours of the game yeah. is on Zone of the Enders. And people, like, were just writing articles about that. Only that segment of the game. And just, like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Yeah, because it's pretty in line with what had come before but with better graphics and a couple more features and... right and like the the level of painstaking detail at some point yeah. like you watch ice melt right <laughs> <laughs> you could see like objects off a countertop mm -hmm. with like guns and stuff it was pretty incredible and, and i mean so just to clarify, so you played it far after the fact like when did you play metal gear solid i like, played it in probably like my before my senior year of college, so probably two thousand nine. So I had already known everything that about write in and, uh, and everything and um yeah, I just decided I wanted to play the whole series through. So I played one, two, three, four, all within like the span of, I don't know, a year. And then then had to wait for the fifth one, which was a long wait. Oh yeah. Yeah, that, that was a bit <laughs> if you didn't have a PSP, you were in for a long yeah. wait. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that is the difference, I guess, is like you were playing it, you knew a lot about what happened, but yeah. prior to the release, they did this thing, they literally called it submerging, where they stopped doing interviews, mm -hmm. they stopped talking about the game for like the last three months before it came out. So there was like no new information yeah. leading up to it. I mean, you could never, that would never happen today. Unfortunately, I think that's, that's a big problem, is that that's how that works. I mean, I... Went into it like I went into Empire Strikes Back. You know, I know that Darth Vader is, is Luke's father. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't necessarily ruin the experience because I have a whole other uh, philosophy about spoiler culture, which I think is <laughs> really stupid. Uh, I don't think if you know one thing, it ruins the story. But in the context of this, when it's a big reveal that kind of shifts the dynamic of what you're expecting then it's, it's kind of significant. I'm trying to think, I, this was something I read, it was like a Terminator 2, like the big, like I think that would have been amazing to see that movie in theaters, not knowing that Arnold's going to be the protagonist. Cause yeah. that's, and that's how the, the promotional material, like nowadays they would show that all in the trailer. They would <laughs> let you know 
this time he's the good guy. But people didn't know that. So in the, like the scene where he pulls out a shotgun, you're like, oh no, he's gonna kill me. But no, he's here to save me. Like so, you feel that that switch, and um, I think that kind of inspired this game because just like you didn't think Arnold was the uh, hero. In this game, you think Snake's the hero, that you're going to be Snake, because yeah. that's the game. That's what you've been led to believe, but then they subvert your expectations and throw Raiden into the mix. And they really went the extra mile with that, too, because not only did they show the tanker scenes, but they reworked later moments in the game to show Snake instead of Raiden. Yeah, that's right. I read that. Like, yeah, they, they previewed the boss fight with uh, Fortune, but they have Snake in there in place of Which Raiden. Which Fortune? Do you remember? Because I was reading that, I couldn't picture who that was. She was the woman, the woman who, with the big with gun, the big gun okay. and the bullets couldn't hurt her. Okay. Yeah. And I think stuff like that now that would be a Polygon article. I mean, yeah. You wouldn't have to read it, but it would be on Polygon. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I kind of hate that. That's where we're at now. But um, those those kind of surprises are hard to keep close to the the chest, I guess, unless you're J.J. Abrams, but. Uh, <laughs> But then sometimes it's like, was it really worth keeping so secret? <laughs> well, whether or not it was worth it, it definitely had a huge impact yeah. on people. There, there are people who are very, very angry that Raiden So was... some people think that he intentionally was like, I know people are going to hate this character. Do you think that he believed that? Hideo Kojima believed that? Or do you think he just wanted to have a, a new perspective? Like, I've read two different theories that he just wanted to have a new perspective on snake that was more objective because you're not actually him but then i've read people being like no he wanted you to hate this character i think he wanted a new character and did not plan for you to hate him yeah uh so some of the stuff i read about it was that uh as part of like the design documents for metal gear solid 2 because they started like planning a sequel right after the first game Mm -hmm. They uh, they wanted a new character, and part per Kojima, the reason was you can't. Snake is a veteran; he is a master of combat, of stealth, of whatever. How much can you have people teaching him how to do this stuff? Right. You need a new voice in there who isn't automatically familiar with everything for it to make sense. Mm-hmm. And also, they thought that a cuter guy would be mm-hmm. more appealing to female right. players. Yeah, I mean the whole. Do before we go any deeper, do you want to just? explain the write-in reveal or switch or anything yeah yeah absolutely so yeah as we were saying uh in the lead up to the game everyone assumes solid snake was the player protagonist throughout all of metal gear solid 2 and then you get two hours in and there's kind of a cliffhanger moment during a tanker scene where it looks like snake is in trouble it cuts away and you come back as this guy named Raiden. you you don't know who he is and snake He's Snake for a long time. They give him the code name Snake, and you have a mask on, and you you know it's a different voice, but you're like, wait, this isn't Snake. That's correct. And yeah. You're still dealing with uh, Roy Campbell, the guy who was like, you know, you're in your ear from the last one. Yeah. So it's the same, yeah, CO from the last game, but then it's a guy in a mask who's go- being called Snake, but he takes off the mask and he changes his code name to Raiden. And I, I feel like he must, like, whip his hair around. I can't remember if he actually did that. In my mind, he did. <laughs> Look at those beautiful locks. I can always remember, like, the no-hands cartwheel is the thing that I always think yes. about. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty uh, impossible, I think. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. 
And when this is happening, you're like, okay, well, I'm not Snake right now. But I'll but, get back to him. Yeah. And just the way the game develops, you meet Snake, who is going by the name Iroquois Pliskin. Mm-hmm. And the game goes on and on and on, and it ends. And you never get to be Snake again. <laughs> nope. You're, you're riding the entire time. <laughs> and it's one of those things where they're, you know it's Snake. But he goes by this different name, and he's kind of got... Did he have, like, a hood on or a hat or something? Uh, do they I, try to, like, make him look different? I can't remember. I don't think they do. They don't give him the headband. Well, no, he, or does he... Maybe he get the head the headband later, because he, yes. he makes the infinite ammo joke? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, he's Iroquois Pliskin. Iroquois is, like, means rattlesnake. Pliskin mm-hmm. is... Snake Pliskin from Escape from New York, which I've never seen. I've been meaning to watch see, but like that he is his character's kinda of based on him to begin with. And like the whole time you're just like, Nah dude, I know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> you're Snake. Um and he even talks about Snake as if he's not Snake throughout. Which I don't know if is a choice to like build up the legend. Mm-hmm. Like, because I think that's one of the reasons like I said he wanted, Edio wanted to have like a different perspective of Snake to make him seem larger than life than having you be Snake. Yeah, and like that is kind of one of the themes of the game is like after the events of the original, Snake is now a legend. Like yeah. Everyone's come realize he is this incredible hero, where Snake is just probably of the mind that he's just a regular guy right. who did a re- completely irregular thing. And so, like, getting to see him as just kind of a regular guy maybe helps to reinforce that, oh, I mean, he's a symbol, but, like, at the end of the day, he's just a dude yeah. who can't keep a wife or a girlfriend. Oh. That's true. Yeah. Depending on how you ended the first game. I think I le- I think the first game, Meryl died. Oh, no. For me. Dude. Which is great. Like, I, that, they let you make that choice, and the game just ended. Mm-hmm. So, um... I can't remember if I was surprised when she showed up in 4. I'm like, no, she's dead. <laughs> because they very barely mention her in yeah. the second one. Like, uh, the bandana thing is supposed to be a reference to her because you get the bandana if you save her at the end of Metal Gear Solid oh, 1. okay. And then there's, like, one throwaway line. It's like, ah, oh, women don't like the Arctic or something like that. So, like, indicates that very <laughs> she didn't hang around. Yeah. Uh, another fun little write-in tidbit was he he's Jack is his real name and his girlfriend who is also working the mission is named Rose so <laughs> some Titanic BS going yeah. on. I don't know if that was trying to appeal to somebody um, but what the game came out in 01 that movie came out in 97 yeah <laughs> um, it was interesting like kind of reading about this because uh, I always saw this as kind of like a post-9-11, like Bush-era, um, kind of like conspiracy story. But then I saw oh, it came out, like, it was developed before 9-11. So, like, I mean, Bush was already president, but it wasn't that type of story yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they even, you know, changed some stuff. As many projects did after 9-11. Yeah. Um, the end of it, like, the boat, or arsenal gear, like, the 
was it just like a Metal Gear boat <laughs> kind of cra- was supposed to crash into the Statue of Liberty and they took that out and then I looked this up and I think these might be two different languages um, but they changed Raiden's name from the language written in Katakana which resembled the name Laden, Bin Laden. Oh. So they wrote it in kanji to be Raiden. So they <laughs> have people think he was Osama Bin Laden. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I'm pretty ignorant of Japanese culture, but I believe it's like the same language, but just written in a different style. Yeah. Is how it oh, okay. yeah, yeah, that's what it was. It was a different style. Yeah. Which is just... <laughs> overcorrecting but that's interesting yeah and uh, I mean to, to get more into uh, Raiden and his character like he's I would understand why people think he was meant to troll the audience because he's definitely like obnoxious mm-hmm. and definitely kind of lampoons the player a little bit because his all his combat experience is VR missions yeah he's a stand in for a gamer right and, like, that's where all of his training is from. So all the other characters are like, oh, you have no real training. You're just some kid. Yeah. You've never seen real war. <laughs> exactly. Thank <laughs> you, Mr. Hater. <laughs> so, yeah, he's he's kind of loud and obnoxious, just like the stereotype of, of gamers and trolls. <laughs> <laughs> and it was important that Raiden was a complete blank slate because of the later on reveal of why he was there of the well i guess the first reveal you could say of the s3 plan or the solid snake simulation yes see that's what i remember it as most but that's not actually what it was right right yeah (laughs) but but at first the idea being like to create the shadow moses incident Mm -hmm. and make like the same scenario to create a new solid snake yeah, like as a tool to defeat Casalidus. So to back up a little bit, when you start as Raiden, you are on this thing called Big Shell. Mm-hmm. You've been sent there to stop Dead Cell, and the leader of the team Dead Cell is Solidus Snake, who is the brother of Solid Snake. But before that, they said it was Solid Snake. Regular Solid Snake was leading this terrorist group. That was like part of it. That was part of the disbelief. No, that's right. Yeah, Which, yeah. So <laughs> there's like reveals within reveals, and you know it's not Solid Snake because you know Solid Snake. But yeah. go on. So Solidus. They yeah, they initially say it's Solid. You know it's not going to be Solid. Yeah. And so it's going to be Solidus Snake, who is the brother of Solid Snake, the lead character from the first game, and the brother of Liquid Snake. The perfect clone of Big Boss. Exactly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> who is also the president. Oh, yep. He's also, the president of the United States, Mr. President, and raised Raiden. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which kind of doesn't make sense because, like, Raiden never mentions that he was raised on like a war or during a war. Yeah. Before, like, Solidus reveals it. Yes, that's true. He seems like like the noob that we explained. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, later on, it's revealed that Solidus is the villain and that he believes Raiden was sent there to kill him through the S3 plan, where they were going to make another super soldier, like Solid Snake, mm-hmm. 
and he would and Raiden would defeat Solidus. But Solidus is like, no, you're you're my you're basically my son. You grew up on the battlefield with me. Which is weird because he's also the president and how did nobody know any of these things? <laughs> <laughs> that that's the point. If you're if you're listening to this and you're like, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, there definitely are points in this where it doesn't make a lot of sense. There's there's more there's something to be gained though from some of the overall themes, I would say. Yeah. And yeah, they so they, they think that Raiden is gonna be this uh solid snake standing, and that's why Big Shell seems so much like Shadow Moses Island from the first game. There's lots of analogs between like the characters from the first game. Yeah. Like they even bring in there was this robot ninja in Metal Gear Solid 1, but that guy died. Mm-hmm. So now they bring in someone else to be a robot ninja, and at first you're like, that makes no sense. That guy was so, so dead. Yeah. And it's it, it was true. He was dead. But they blackmailed someone into pretending to be the robot ninja. I forgot about that. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's like the beginning of all these echoes that are in all the games, because then Raiden himself becomes a robot ninja. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the sense of confusion, I mean, whether it's intentional or not, like with the kind of plot holes, um, the whole thing I think is about being really confused mm-hmm. and believing one truth and then learning that the cliche, everything you thought you knew is a lie. Like, I don't want to give them full credit for that, yeah, yeah. but I, I will give them partial credit for the yeah, fact that, yeah. yeah, you're not supposed to know what's real and what's not real. That is, a, that is definitely something they're trying to do. As, like, the game in its final act starts, like, breaking the fourth wall and and glitching because you're all in a simulation, kind of. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, as you start closing in on the end of the game, you get messages from your commanding officer, Colonel Campbell, and they start saying, like, turn the game off right now. Yes. Which is... So weird and great. I love it. <laughs> it freaked me out when I was playing the first time. I was like, w- It's the what? next level of Psycho Mantis from the first game. Because that was like the standout moment of that game where the only way to beat him was to switch memory cards or switch controllers. Yeah. Uh, and so I feel like this kind of took it to another level. Um, you didn't have to do as much like analog trickery, but... Mm-hmm. There was a point when you it looked like you died, like it looked the screen looked like when you die, like the, you know the, it's a different menu, and then then there's a tiny window in the corner where you're actually still alive, you're right. still fighting, so you you basically are still playing the game but in like a menu window. Yeah, and it says fish and nailed instead of mission uh, failed yeah. uh, on the screen too. <laughs> And, it, and yeah, it's messing with you. And, and then that leads up to the ending where you meet Solidus for the first time. Mm-hmm. And we, we, yeah, we're definitely skipping a bunch here, but that's not to follow Raiden's story, which, you know, it is, whether we like it or not. I think that's pretty, pretty straight through, you know, mm-hmm. minus some bad guys, which that's another thing each game has is a bunch of weird mutant type bad guys yeah who have vampire powers or <laughs> bee powers another, another thing that didn't make sense was like fortune where it's like oh she has mystic powers and then revolver ocelot's like no she doesn't have mystic powers but then like later on she stops the bullets anyways like oh so she 
dead death mystic powers? Even the characters don't know what's going on in this game. Yeah. <laughs> and you get eventually contacted by the Patriots. Yes. Now, up to this point in the game, like characters had made various mentions of the Patriots, but it wasn't clear. The Lale Lulo Lay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I got it right. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't clear like who they were or what their aim was, but they contact you with Rose's face on the com, mm-hmm. but it's actually an AI contacting you. And it's revealed that the S3 plan it was the selection for societal sanity. And the goal, end goal of these AIs that are the Patriots is they feel there is too much information being brought to the world because of the internet. Mm-hmm. And too many people have takes and opinions. And there's too much dissemination of facts and it makes it so that the good information gets drowned out by the bad information. And they want to control the flow. And this whole game, the whole, all the events leading up to the ending of the game were an experiment to see if the Patriots could control and manipulate the events of the world. Yeah. Which, had they up to that point? That's what I'm always kind of confused about. Because this is... Is this the first, like, reveal of a shadow organization? I can't remember, like, what was the result of the first one? Did they have something like that? Or was that just that the president was behind it all? In the... Metal Gear Solid. In the first one, that was... Uh, that could be considered a failure because the information all got out. Everyone knew Solid Snake was a hero. Everyone found out that... On the Patriots' behalf. Uh, a failure. Yes, okay. a, a failure for the Patriots. And like there was a hero being brought up named Solid Snake who they did not control. Ah, uh, okay, okay, okay. So yeah, you have to recontextualize that um, in light of the Patriots' reveal. But then there's... So there's the Patriots in this one... And then in the third one, which is, you know, the, the first chronologically, they have the philosophers. Uh-huh. And then I'm trying to think of all these. There's so many, like, wheels within wheels of secret organizations who have other secret organizations. Then they go to, like, the fourth one. And then there's, like, the separate AI systems <laughs> that I don't remember what their names were. One was JD and DW or something. I don't know what those meant, but I always find it interesting that, like, he always he decides, like, that he wants to splinter off each of these secret societies into other secret societies. It gets, yeah, even more convoluted. Like, the whole thing, throughout the whole game, there's this character, Revolver Ocelot, who has the arm of Liquid Snake, the dead member, the dead bad guy from the first game, but apparently mm-hmm. the arm controls him. Mm-hmm. And then later on, you find out in another game that the he hypnotized himself into <laughs> believing the arm could control him to defeat to to fool AI systems. Yes, basically, exactly. Nice. But and with regards to the ending of Metal Gear Solid Two, <laughs> yeah. Sorry for yeah. jumping ahead. No, no, no. I yeah. just like it, I don't know. It's that's kind of how sequels have to work. You know, you have to like. Be like, but actually, <laughs> if you want certain characters or things to keep going, like they wanted Liquid Snake to keep going in some respect, so that's why in this game they're like, yeah, we'll just throw him in Ocelot's body, so we'll have both of those guys. There was, yeah, you have to raise the stakes, you have to make things more convoluted to continue to add intrigue to the events. Yeah. Yeah, and like, 
with Hero, uh, I mean, they're the thing they're claiming that they're there to do to keep to like control the information. I mean, it's could be interpreted as like censorship of facts by mm-hmm. the authorities. Like when you talk about being having good information filtered out from bad, like when you're the people in power, you know, that is kind of it's pretty risky for you to decide like what is the right information to go out and like right it's more it's not about like protecting people from themselves it's about ma- controlling the message sure i mean the internet was just for like copyright and other things like that was just a nightmare for like trying to control but like how how do we monitor this so so on a larger scale trying to monitor what comes out is impossible and like you can see how in other countries where the internet is more strictly controlled, like there's, it's like you're trying to uh, hold sand, try and grip yeah. sand where it's like they ban or censor certain things. Like Google is banned in some countries, certain searches are banned, but then like other stuff will pop up in its place. Like people use WhatsApp to get the word out. People use Snapchat stuff like that. Yeah. Like I think in China, it was the way they uh, banned all searches for Pooh Bear. Because people were making unflattering comparisons between him and, I believe, the current Chinese oh, Prime Minister. Interesting. Or Premier, I, I don't, I'm yeah. the terminology. And so they, they banned all the searches for nice. that, took all the images off Baidu. <laughs> yeah, I mean, though, the only way to actually get rid of it all is to have, like, you know, the nuclear holocaust. <laughs> like something, something where, like, you know, it's one of those post-apocalyptic worlds where we don't have, like, electricity anymore. Yeah. We'll have to get rid of electricity to get rid of the internet and <laughs> everything within that. Well, like you can see, yeah, in, in those other countries, like this is like the goal of what the Patriots are trying to do is, yeah. yeah. Keep, and by all, from all accounts that you can see in the game, the Patriots succeed. Like everyone thinks that Solid Snake rams Big Shell or Arsenal Gear into New York City and his reputation is ruined. Okay, I guess, yeah, I think sometimes, because I've played that game twice now, and once was a year or so ago, and sometimes, like, it just hits you with so much information that it's hard to, like, retain it all, because I forget that, I forget that he comes out looking bad, Uh, maybe also because they don't really touch upon that too much in the fourth game, the next chapter in this saga, because... So many things have changed by that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I forget that he is quote-unquote terrorist. And I mean, that is one of the big takeaways, is like the manipulation of data, the controlling of like electronic dissemination of data. It, can you do it? Can you, like, are the authorities going to try and do that in the future? And it's like, yeah, we're talking about that right now in 2017, yeah. about what information goes out there. And it's like, I think I think it's important that you take away that like yes it's bad when fake news emerges mm-hmm. like because that is a real thing that does happen but you should need you want to have the good with the bad you want to have access to both so you can make your own judgments and not have just one mouthpiece on all that they kind of did that on the recent season of Homeland yeah. um, they kind of took the current like fake news political stuff and that into their narrative like there's this whole like government funded uh, or you know secret government funded <laughs> operation that is basically working with like a fox news type 
to put all this fake shit out there so they can kill the president. <laughs> you know, it's, oh it's also God. it's also convoluted. You know, it's a smear campaign. It's also it's it's this systemized thing that's kind of like the Patriots, like controlling the flow of information in like so many layers to get an overall goal that you know doesn't seem immediately connected to that, uh, which we could be at right now. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if 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 that. The people that are putting out stupid stuff like that are that intelligent. My only consolation right now is that the people who are evil are so cartoonishly evil that they cannot restrain themselves from telling everyone how evil they are. Filling that a monologue. (laughs) As true now as it ever was in a James Bond movie. Yeah, Salvis did it himself. (laughs) That's, I mean, I think there's a point in each of those games where... Like, you're at the last part, and before you kill the bad guy, they tell you, like, everything, the, the big plan. Like, Liquid Snake does in the first one, Saladus does it in this one, the boss does it in the third one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think if it happens in the fourth. Yes, big boss. Like, <laughs> there's, in every one, there's a, there's a point where some guy that you think is dead or about to die is like hey let me just tell you everything that you thought you were doing it's it's a part of something else (laughs) so he likes his tropes uh and his influences this is one interesting thing that i i read um about metal gear solid 2 was that kojima he thought that he was using snake as godzilla a creature of man and science and Raiden as King Kong, the creature who gets lured back to the city by a beautiful woman. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, right? So then he said, Snake frees Raiden, King Kong, and lets him return from whence he came. But since Snake is Godzilla, as long as Metal Gear exists, he'll keep on fighting. Mm. I was like, oh, well, that seems like a stretch, but interesting. Like, he's... He's a complicated, very smart person, Hideo Kojima, with like and big like on Western influences. So I like to see when those pop up in his work. For sure, yeah. I mean, the, he's very much a guy who seems like he wishes he was a movie director. Yeah, I think I think he I think he'd say that he is a movie director. I think he wants he likes to elevate the video game. Art form to be more cinematic. I mean, because I think this one has longer cutscenes than the second, the first one, and then of course the fourth one has the longest of them all. Yep. <laughs> like a little half hour yeah. of cutscenes at a time. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, like right now he's working on Death Stranding with, uh, oh geez, who's the guy? Norman Reedus. Norman Reedus, yeah. And, um, Guillermo del Toro is a character in it. Wow. And Mads Mikkelsen. And so that's a thing. We'll, we'll see what that's like in yeah, 2019. Yeah, I have, you know, I'm so bummed that we won't really see a conclusion to the Metal Gear series. Like, you know, not that I think the, the problem with prequels is they never perfectly line up, but I feel like there's another chapter he had in him. But he is so smart. Um that I will definitely be buying Death Stranding just to see whatever it's about. 
it's going to turn out that Norman Reedus is Solid Snake. Yeah, that's... A remake of Metal Gear. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. (laughs) That'd be great. And that just covers a lot of, I guess, the the political themes that have stayed true throughout even the past 15 years plus where the game has been out. And on top of that, I think there have been more games that touch on this, but the idea that you as the player don't have as much control as you think, like you think you are the person driving things forward, but you're always being led where the designer wants you to go. Right. And then in the story itself here, you're literally... You're always just a piece of the, of the machine. Yeah. You're, you're ordered to do the thing, and you go do the thing. And then at the very end of the game, when you're going to fight Solidus, they're like, we want you to kill Solidus for us. He's a real asshole. And you're like, no, I'm not going to do it. They're like, yeah, we have a hostage. We're going to make you do it anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, even once you know, once you've had the scales pulled away from your eyes, like, there's still nothing you can do. The only way you can finish the game is to kill this other dude. Yeah. Because, or you could turn it off, but where's the fun in that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm and, trying to think of what the, the analogy is for real life. Uh, Suicide. <laughs> you yeah. do this or just die. I mean, the only way to win is not to play. But, yeah. I mean, you've gone this far, you've invested this much. Like, are you really going to walk away as the player? And as, it wouldn't be crazy writing? if when they're, like, telling you to turn off the game immediately, like... You did. <laughs> and you're just like, I'm not judging that ever again. They well, told me to turn it off. Kojima would love that. <laughs> like, he is into that kind of crazy stuff. That would be like, he'd be like, yes. <laughs> they thought that they won. <laughs> this is how I meant it to happen. Like, there have been a, more games in, in recent years that have tried to expand on that. Like, uh, uh, Undertale is always one that comes to mind where it's like, you can beat the game. And then if you want to try and restart it, like, one of the characters will come out and say, like, hey, just so you know, like, you left things in a pretty good place. I mean, if you if you start the game over, we're all going to be back where we started, where we were all kind of jerks and everything <laughs> kind of sucked. So, are you sure you want to play again? You could just stop. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, Raiden becomes kind of redeemed in a weird way. He becomes redeemed, and it's... I feel like it's kind of a cynical like take on him because they're like, they're like, well, you didn't like Raiden. I guess we'll we'll make him edgy because that's what you got to do with all these like, you know, softer ideas. Like, you know, he's kind of like the hard reboot that you see. You know, that I'd say Batman started, but uh, you know, he's this edgy like lone wolf killer who talks in a gravelly voice, and now he's got a sad backstory. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, like, what does that say about us as the player? It's like, oh, we like him now. Now that he's completely miserable, like, his regular body is gone. Yeah. He's just, a, like, a cyborg now, pretty much. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but he's cool, so, hey! Right. <laughs> I was always wondering, like, so that I didn't realize until the fourth game that Rose was real. I, like, I just thought that she was made up with uh. the whole... Patriot stuff, but I guess there was always a real Rose. That was confusing, yeah, because at certain points the AI pretends to be Rose, but there is a real Rose, mm-hmm. and like she's like at one point in two, she admits she's an agent of the, the Patriots, mm, okay. and she was helping to control Ryan. But she's like, oh, I I do still like you though. 
So, yeah. She's, she's that good, I guess. Like, that. that's what I was wondering. Like, what do you mean? Like, you've, like, been together for so long and you've just been lying? Like, yeah. <laughs> I always think that in any, like, like, story where there's, like, a secret agent or something, I'm like, that's a whole other level of your job. You gotta yeah. keep up this fake <laughs> marriage. It's like uh, Orphan Black. Yes. With the fake marriage to the oh, yeah. agent. Yeah. I just watched, not the most recent episode, but that's that's another show that, like Metal Gear, I don't know, sometimes like the, the greater mythology kind of eludes me. So like, like there's shadowy organizations fighting each other and I'm just like, Alright, uh, you just kind of like have the characters tell me what's going on in the moment and then I'll know where the stakes are because otherwise I am very confused as to where we stand much like like the Patriots versus the Philosophers and JW and JD and all that. I'm like, I don't remember exactly what these organizations' philosophies are. Just, uh, you know, tell me what the stakes are in the moment and I'll be okay. Well, uh, you know, I think that covers most of what I wanted to say, I have, a, I guess, a few final thoughts, but did you have anything else you wanted to cover that we didn't cover? Birds. Oh, yeah, it's messed up. There are birds. birds in Metal Gear Solid 2. And when, well, this was another thing I read when you, that's the first time in the series where you can have, like, first person view, you know, you mm-hmm. can opt to do that when you're shooting. That's right. Uh, and then in that first person view, if you're like on top of a big shell, like birds can poop on you <laughs> and your screen will have like bird poop on it. Uh, another one was if you're running, like you'll slip on bird poop. <laughs> that happens a couple of times. <laughs> and then if you shoot too many birds, Rose calls you and tells you that you're a monster. <laughs> and you have to apologize. <laughs> yeah. That was my final thought. <laughs> it was actually, uh, they did a remake of the first Metal Gear Solid for GameCube called Metal yep. Gear Solid Twin Snakes. And they added in the first person mode. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of considered to not fully ruin the game, but have it take away from it because they're like, you're not intended to have that level of accuracy. Yeah, the like, there's a fight with Revolver Ocelot early on, which is a complete joke now because you can actually aim. That's right. Okay, yeah. I played both of those. I played the original, and the second time around I played Twin Snakes. Mm-hmm. It does make more sense that it's a lot easier when you can actually aim instead of, like, trying to line up a character to be like, shoot this way. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like a yeah. side-scroller, in a way. Metal Gear Solid 2, final thoughts. Just, uh... The it's very messy, very confusing. I there was definitely the the reach exceeded the grasp there with in terms of like how much ambition the game has, but it's still even what they managed to land was amazing for the time. And now when you look at like you deconstruct like how it treats Raiden as a player character, how it treats sequels with like making sort of a plot point how to, how ludicrous it is for all these incredibly random events to come together for a second time in a row and how ridiculous that would be. Yeah. And how it factors in politically with the rise of like memes, distribution of uh, information through the internet. They did use the the phrase memes, I think, before it became like a popular (laughs) meme. They did, yeah. Yeah. Like referring to, yeah, the transmission of data. So 
As crazy as it is, I am happy that it brought us Metal Gear Solid 4, because I really like it. how crazy that game is. It is completely insane, and I, I appreciate that there was someone out there who would just go for it like that. Yeah. Like, most people would have trouble ending that, and I'm sure Kojima did too. But, uh, like, the fact that they did pretty much wrap up everything is kind of incredible. Mm-hmm. I'm so amazed that they found a way to do it somehow. But then they added another story with Big Boss. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, Michael, I think this brings our Metal Gear Solid 2 episode of So Many Bits to a close. Uh, if you wanted to find out more about what we were referring to with some of these notes, I'll put up some links to, like, the YouTube trailer, some articles I read to prepare for this, some interviews with Hideo Kojima that I read. Uh, Michael, if you want people to find you either electronically or in person, where can they find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at CormacMichael, C-O-R-M-A-C-M-I-C-H-A-E-L. And then you can find me at retconpunch.com where we talk about comic books five days a week. That reminds me I have to go home and write about Batman. That doesn't sound that bad. No, it's not that bad. <laughs> uh, and as far as myself, we can be reached here by email at so many bits podcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, we're so many bits on there. Follow us on Twitter and Tumblr at so many bits. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Please rate and review or download us from Spreaker, from SoundCloud for as long as that lasts, from YouTube. Uh, we're doing gaming, uh, twitch.tv slash so many bits. And last but not least, please check out the rest of the Second Link Collective for other quality podcasts. Support independent art, the spirit of Delvin Hill. Thank you.